Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we're we're right on the the sort of the, the precipice of, uh, of of Pesach, uh, and I just want to start going over some ideas uh, to get ready for the holiday, and also just talk about uh, some some larger things because you know when when it comes to Torah, just just it's it's worlds within worlds, um, and and any time you can just sort of like isolate any idea, it just sort of like radiates out because when you're dealing with with truth and you're on the spectrum of truth, every point is is just sort of like enlightening every other aspect of, of our lives and, and, and the world and, and, and our total understanding of things. So um, so maybe we're talking a little bit about Pesach right now, but this is believe me, this is this is every day. The the ideas that we're talking about apply to every single day. So let's uh, Let's let's sort of like pick up a little bit on, on something that we were discussing before, but I want to go I want to go deeper. Um, we start the seder. Actually, we start the the Maggid section of the seder, which is already kind of like into the seder somewhat. We've already made kiddush and things like this, and um, there's this special section that's called uh, halach ma'anya, where we make this amazing invitation. We say, anyone who's needy, come, come to our table, come, sit down. You need food, you need a place, come, this is your place. My place is your place. So, what's, that sounds great. That sounds fantastic, actually. But if you think about it, there's actually a, a boatload of problems with it. So, we're going we're gonna to go into that. And, and, and the, the first problem is, is that you're already in the middle of the meal. So what kind of invitation is that? You know what I mean? You're sort of like, you're in the middle of the meal and you're like, hey, anyone who wants to come, come on. It sounds all of a sudden less magnanimous. Then, then just to talk about on a super practical level, who is going to hear that invitation while you're in your dining room inside your house, outside the door? Who is even going to hear that invitation? So... So now, now it becomes a little bit more serious because now we say, well, wait a second. This is not an invita- This is not a real invitation at all. So now that's very problematic because how can you say the Haggadah isn't real? How can you say the Haggadah isn't true? That every word of it isn't 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 touching the deepest depths. So now we have to really ask ourselves, what's going on with this invitation? So, what what I would like to suggest is that it is a very real invitation. That it's an invitation to everyone who's at the table. In other words, you're sitting at the table, but are you actually there? And to each individual who's at the table, because who are you going to take the invitation to be present, to be really there, to have an open heart, to really be focused, who are you going to take it more seriously than from yourself? So really you're inviting yourself to actually be present. So to use a phrase from kind of, um, you know, contemporary American society, be here now, was, was like very, you know, that, that's, that sort of like kind of captures this idea of really being present. But of course, a, a, a concept that's as crucial of this has to be in the Torah, and in fact it is in the Torah, and I just want to go over with you where it is. So this is from the, the, the Moshitsa Rebbe, and you see this in, in, in Shmos in 24.12. And it says the following. It says, Hashem said to Moshe, Ascend to me to the mountain and be there. So the Moshe to Rebbe points out that if, if Moshe's already ascended to the mountain, he already is there. 
So what do you what do you what do you need Hashem to say? Go to the top of the mountain and be there, because it means be there, actually be there, which means that you have to be totally there. You have to be totally there. Now let's look at the Hebrew word because this is where I want to start to to go deeper because there's there's amazing things contained in this word um, be. So it's in Hebrew, it's spelled vav he yud he, and it's ve ye. That's how you would pronounce it. And and you see this word, you see this word someplace else. And you know, I'll just tell you, just in terms of the methodology uh, that, that 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 the Torah uses, um, there's something called a gzer sheva, which is means that if you find a word in one context you can use its meaning in that context to enlighten its use in another context. So, so for instance, um, how do we know that a minion is composed of ten men, according to Jewish law? Because the word for edah, which means a congregation, is used when it's discussing the spies and discussing the, the ten men, not including um, Yehoshua and Kalev, the ten men that went. So they say, okay, so you see that this word, Ada, which means congregation, which means minion, is referring to ten men in this context. That must be the definition of a minion. So in other words, we, 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 we look at a word in one context, and often we can apply the meaning in that context to give us more enlightenment with its use in another context. So by the way, these, um, if we're talking about the application for halacha and Jewish law, these things come from Mount Sinai. These, these correlations come with Mount Sinai. However, as, as people who are studying the Torah, you can look for hints. So it doesn't have, it's not, a, a, um, it's not locked into place. If you see it here, that's what it means over there. It, it doesn't go that far when it comes to the type of learning that we're doing right now. But you see that this is a technique which is, in fact, a very, you know, um, real Torah technique. It's one of the Yud Gimel, uh, any day you can use the word hermeneutical principles is a good one. I think we can all agree on that. But <laughs> it is one of the 13 hermeneutical principles brought down by Rabbi Shmuel. But anyway, where do you see this idea that this word veye? means like something more. So up until now we just said it means that that it means to be there. Okay? But listen to this. I'll start to read it in English. You'll recognize it immediately. It's very, very famous. Hashem said to Avram, go for yourself from your land, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. The yeh brucha. So, so here now I want to connect these two ideas. When when a person is present, when a person is really there, they become a blessing. They're able to pull down blessing, and I'm going to explain this better. Okay? You see? What does it mean to be in the moment? 
And, and I want you to know what I'm doing right now is a little bit different than just saying, hey, it's good to be in the moment. Everyone should be present. I'm, I'm talking about something more than that right now. What I'm trying to explain right now is sort of the divine mechanics, the spiritual, the spiritual mechanics of why being in the present, be, you become a blessing or you're able to bring down blessing. That's what I'm trying to do right now, okay? So what I'm suggesting is the following, is that when a person is in the present, at that moment, they're not tied to the future and they're not tied to the past. What they've done is they've actually made an opening and by making an opening, they've created a vessel to bring down Shefa and blessing because they detach themselves at that, at that moment from the future and from the past. And now all of a sudden there's an opening. This opening is a blessing to be a blessing, right? Because what do we say? Hashem promises Abraham, you will be a blessing. And that word be, that same word be, is used in the context with Moshe to be there now. So when you're there now, you become a blessing. Why? Because you're not attached to the future and you're not attached to the past at that moment. At that point, you've created an opening where blessing can come down. So, listen to, I want to use this to try to explain a, a Zohar, which is that um, all the blessings of the week come down on Shabbos. So, so there are many explanations for this, but, but I'm, I'm going to suggest something based on what we've just been learning. Why would it be that all the blessings come down on Shabbos? And what I want to suggest is, because on Shabbos, you're not tied to the future, and you're not tied to the past. All there is is the right now. And let me explain that a little bit better. According to Jewish law, you can't, did you, I don't know if you know this, you can't make actual concrete plans on Shabbos. Like, for instance, if I say to you, like, we're just kind of talking, you know, whatever it is, and say a movie comes up, and you go, oh, yeah, I want to see that movie. Hey, I want to see that movie, too. You know what? What are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm not doing anything. You want to see the movie? I'd love to see the movie tonight. You know what? I, I was just checking the paper. It's playing at the AMC at 7.30. Do you want to meet there? And we'll... Okay, that, that's against the laws of Shabbos. If you actually have made a time and a place to meet after Shabbos, on Shabbos, that type of concrete plan, you can't do that. So you can't be tied to the future on Shabbos. In other words, wh wh why would that be the case? Because Shabbos is about like right now. Shabbos is about just the fact that, wait a second, I'm alive? <laughs> I'm, you know, it's, okay, now what about the past? So I've shared with you before, I, I learned that, 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 that there was a minute by the, the Baal Shem Tov, a custom by the Baal Shem Tov, that Friday night he would have as part of his, his, his Shabbos meal, farfel. And farfel is like a noodle dish. And the idea is that farfel is a play on words in the Yiddish, Farful and fafalen. That fafalen means, you know what? It's over and done with. It's fafalen. It's done with. Don't worry about it. It's, you know what? That, it's true. It happened. You know what? It's fafalen. Just it's gone. Over. So the idea is that at your Friday night meal, any kind of trouble that you had during the week, it's fafalen. It's over. You're not tied to your past anymore. So you see, on Shabbos, you're not tied to your past. Right? In fact, I wanted to use that to explain a, a, a Mishnah um, 
in Bama Madlikin, one of the series of things that we say leading up to Shabbos, it says that one of the important halachas of Shabbos is that before Shabbos starts, you empty out your pockets. Now, on a very here-now practical level, the, the reason is because if you're carrying stuff in your pockets, it could be that you're in, a, in, a, in an area that has an Eruv now, but maybe you're going to walk into an area that doesn't have an Eruv, and then you'll be carrying on Shabbos. So there's a very practical dimension to this. But on a deeper level, I want to suggest the following. You know when Shabbos comes, empty your pockets. Whatever it was, it's fulfilling. You know what I mean? Whatever you're carrying with you emotionally, whatever distress, whatever disappointment, whatever it is, just empty your pockets before Shabbos. Get rid of it. Get rid of your past. And you're not tied to the future, so all there is is right now. So with this in mind, again, you see, the beauty of Shabbos, and, and we know this, I mean, this point has been made endlessly, but it's, 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 it becomes more relevant every single day. The idea of being unplugged on Shabbos, not having your cell phone, not being tied to screens all the time, is like the most amazing liberation that takes place on Shabbos. So it'll, it, it institutionalizes the moment. You can actually be there. You're at a table, you're talking with people, the phone's not ringing, or if it is, you're not answering it, and you can just kind of, you can, you can just be like there. It's, 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 it's rare and rarer that it happens. So I want to say that at that moment when you're just in the now, you've separated yourself from the past and the future, you've created this opening in the present, and now blessing can come down, and that's what it says. That's what the Zohar says, that on Shabbos, all of the blessing for the week comes, for the coming week, comes down then. Why? Because I'm suggesting you've made a real vessel for it at that moment. Okay. So, so let's go further. Can I comment? No. Let's go further. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take any, any, any thoughts at the end, just because I'm recording it now. So, uh, it's, it, it's deeper than all this. It's even deeper than this. So what does it actually mean to be in the moment, right? Why, why is it source, such a source of blessing? So I was looking at this word, veye, and let's, let's revisit the letters again. Vav he yud he. Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> It's the letters of Hashem's name. It's the Yud Kei Vav It's actually, it's, it's the letters of Hashem's name. And, and not just, oh, there's a Vav and a Yud. No, no, no. It's the exact letters of the Yud Kei Vav Hashem's holiest name. And now let's revisit the, 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 the meaning of this word. It means to be. And it's the letters of Hashem's name. And we're saying that when you be that you become a source of blessing. So now we're getting into the depths of it. Because at the moment that you're really there, well, guess what? Do you know what the only thing that's going on in the world is 24-7? Hashem. It's the only thing that's going on in the world is God. So if you actually plug into the reality that's actually going on in that moment, you're plugging into Hashem. In the realest way. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, that's a, there's nothing more mind-blowing than that. 
And now let's revisit something that I like to tell you all the time because it blows my mind every time I think about it, which is what the Ramban says, that any person who doesn't understand that every single thing is a miracle, and these are his words, has no portion in the Torah of Moshe. So in other words, this consciousness that, that whatever is actually happening around me at this moment, when I'm really plugged in, you really begin to get to that understanding, that mind expansion, that every single thing is a miracle. Because you don't take anything for granted. And you realize that nothing that is has to be. Nothing that is has to be. If it's there, it's there for a reason. And then you're just like, wow, that's, that's, that's going on, that's going on, that's going on. This is going on. We're learning Torah together right now. That's going on. Like, I mean, it says that the call of Torah from Mount Sinai never stopped. Does it, it, could this be part of that? Is that I, 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 you know, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So, so you say, well, wait a second. Okay, so what about this whole idea and you will be a blessing? So if I get into the, if I really get into the now, if I really get into the now, that means that at that moment, like, I can pull down whatever I want. Like, I can get the answer to everything on my, on my list of, of, of needs. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But I will say this. I will say this. You will realize all the blessings that you have in your life. You will be a blessing because you'll realize that, you know something, maybe I'm missing this and maybe I'm missing that and maybe I still want this. And all that's good. That's legitimate. But look at how much I have. I'm surrounded by blessing. I'm surrounded by it. And then you understand that, and you, at that moment, you are for sure a blessing. So, you know, this is about leaving Egypt, right? See, see what we, what, what we said is that that this invitation, this halach ma'anya that we say um, is just for the people at the table. First we started off by saying, hey, doesn't seem like a real invitation because who can hear you? And the meal has already started. Then we said, no, wait a second. It is a real invitation because it's for us to really be present and actually really be part of the leaving Egypt. You know, I saw from the Chidush something very interesting. He said that 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 every generation is going to have a new understanding of what it means to leave Egypt. Okay? So that's kind of ties into this idea that every person has to feel as though they're leaving Egypt. And I, I think just to kind of tie those things together, that why do, why do you have to feel as though you've left Egypt? Because there's a new understanding in the world, and unless you channel into that understanding in the world, you won't fully understand what it means to leave Egypt. In other words, it's not enough. There is a new revelation of what it means to leave Egypt in every, on an ongoing basis. 
And if you really want to experience what it means to have left, you can't rely on some historical text. You have to tap into that ongoing revelation that's going right now and to personalize it. So I talked with someone and he said that he wants to um, distribute something before the Seder, I guess in the days before the Seder. What, what do you want to... Um, what, what's keeping you enslaved? And what makes you feel or when do you feel the most free? That, that an interesting thing. And he said he wants to collect whoever will send it to him before the Seder and read it at the Seder. And then I think he said, have people guess who said it. <laughs> but this is, this is a real question, you know, like what, what's holding you back? What, what is holding you back? Um, I learned one time that Seder night is like compared to a person sitting in a jail cell and the, 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 the jail cell door is opened, but it's up to the person to leave. Like, that's heavy. That's really, that's heavy. It's, it's heavy. It's, it's heavy because, because people unfortunately confuse religion with magic. And religion is not magic. Torah is not magic. Openings can take place, but then the ball goes right back into your hands. And, and then how are you going to take the next step? Um, yeah. Um, I, learned, uh, I learned one time, and I think it was in high school geometry, but it took me years to have this thought. That, that a line is actually not a solid entity. That according to geometry, a line is actually a series, maybe an infinite series, I don't know how many, of dots. Discrete individual dots, but because they're so close together, they, they, they create the illusion of a solid entity of a line. But, but it's not a line. That, that means that each dot is not connected to the one in front of it and not connected to the one below it. You see, these are, these are moments in time. This is what we're talking about. This is the now. Each moment is a new now. Each moment is a new now. It's not connected to the future and it's not connected to the past, which means that when you look at a line, it's, there seems to be a certain destiny. Like if you're headed in a direction, you, you are locked into that pattern. But once you understand that each dot along the line, each step along the pathway of your life is a discrete entity, not connected to the one in front of it, not connected to the one behind it, you realize you can pivot and move in any direction. There's nothing that you can't do at that moment. You can move in any direction. You are free. What are we talking about with Pesach? Pesach is the holiday of freedom. If you're going to really be there, if you're going to make the most out of this Seder experience, you have to leave with the, with the, with the knowledge, with the, the sense of being empowered that I can move in any direction, that I'm not locked in, I'm not stuck. It's, it, 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 it's an amazing... It's an amazing freedom. It's an amazing freedom. So, 
So the ball gets put back into our hands. And, and if we really are there, if we really are there, and we've answered our own invitation at the beginning of the Seder, maybe, maybe actually someone does answer our invitation at the beginning. We started by saying, hey, no one can even hear you outside the door. No one's coming. But let's think more deeply. Does someone come to your Seder, to every one of our Seder? Eliyahu Hanavi. Eliyahu answers the invitation. In other words, because you showed up, he shows up. And I saw in, in the book, if you, if you haven't read it yet, Run, Run, Don't Walk to Get It. It's called Holy Brother, right? It's um, a collection of people's experiences with Reb Shlomo Karlbach. Unbelievable, one of the most inspiring books, period, that exists. Holy Brother. Can't recommend it enough. In that book, at a certain point, someone said he was by Reb Shlomo, and he heard Reb Shlomo say, the whole world is waiting for, for, the whole world is waiting for Jews to be Jews. Right? Or I would say it in a different way in this context. The whole world is waiting for us to, to be here, to actually be here. That sort of, that, that consciousness is transformational. You know, it says that we, we did two mitzvahs, basically, that sort of like gave us, kind of like supercharged us to have the divine merit to leave Egypt. One was the Korban Pesach, the, 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 the lamb that we took, which, by the way, was, don't, don't think that this was some, you know, oh, yeah, you know, it's like animal sacrifice, things like that, like all these very abstract things. This was one of the gods of Egypt. We actually were making the most radical, radical statement that you can imagine. I mean, hardcore, hardcore. You know, that there is no other power than God. That was, that was one thing that we did, which is m- massive if you think about it. Like, you, you would imagine that there should have been, that they, they should have stormed our houses and just burned them down, right? But there was another thing, which was also Mila, circumcision. And that's also intense, you know? Um, but, you know, circumcision is, works on a number of different levels. And what, the, the main circumcision that we're waiting for today is the circumcision of the heart. And that's true for all of us. This is men, women, this is everybody. And, and being in the now is, is like the main circumcision of the heart. Because there's this layer, and by the way, it's there actually is this like this kind of kind of covering over the heart, but anatomically, anatomically rather. So it, it actually exists biologically, but it's a, a spiritual idea also that there there are barriers that are separating our minds from our hearts. And a circumcised heart means that the mind and the heart are finally together. Which means that all the things that you wish you could do or want to do or are going to get around to doing 
all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no you're doing that. Or you're actually pursuing that. So, so I want to I want to go further into this idea of of the heart because when we clean for Pesach, we're we're getting rid of all the bread products from the house, and that also includes um, you know liquor and beer and things like that. And I just want to talk about that a little bit in this context. You see, everybody knows that these bread products, it's called a chametz, that, that chametz represents, it, it represents all, all, of, all of the negativity within us, our yetzaharas. And I think maybe on a spiritual level, that's why it's so hard to clean for chametz. In other words, yes, I mean, believe me, I understand the mopping and the vacuuming and the clearing of shelves is very tiring. It is. But what I'm trying to suggest is something on a spiritual level right now, which is that if chametz represents our own limitations, it's very hard to confront your own limitations face to face. So I think that there is an extra edge to the cleaning, which makes it more than just cleaning up a room or a house. There's this idea of who wants, why do I want to be in such close proximity with all my, with all my failures, essentially? It's, it's hard for me to be in touch with that. It's hard for me to do that. So, so it gets deeper, because there's really two main categories to Pesach cleaning, okay? One is all the stuff we're doing up to the night of the 14th. Remember, the, the Seder is the night of the 15th. So the night of the 14th is when things go into hyperspeed. That's like, okay, there is a lot to do once, once the night of the 14th get, kicks in, okay? And back in the day, we would bring the, 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 the Corbin Pesach, the Passover offering, during the day of the 14th. By that point, we've gotten rid of the chumets and everything like this, and so it's, it's really like a lot. So the night of the 14th is when it really just goes bang, you know, it goes right into like lots of other stuff. So that's the night that we light a candle, not a torch. We'll get to that later. We light a candle and not a torch. The lights are out in the house and we're looking for the chametz in our house that we may have missed. And so what I want to suggest is the following way of categorizing this. I'd like to say that all the searching that we do during the daytime, leading up to Pesach in the weeks before, days before, that's on the level of getting rid of those things which are our bad qualities, our negative attributes, which are revealed to us. Because we're doing it during the daytime, for the most part. Ah, but now there's the aspects of ourselves which are the cleaning of the chametz from our hearts the inside cleaning. And that's done by the light of a candle starting on the 14th of Nisan. Now listen to this. Listen to this. If you look in, in, in the Talmud, in Pesachim, in, 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 the, the, explains the holiday of Pesach, there's a Mishnah that, ex, that says the following. 
It's a very peculiar language, and the rabbis for the last, I don't know, more than the last thousand years have been trying to explain this, which is it says that, here's the phrase, by the light of the 14th. <laughs> now, wait a second. Everybody knows this is done at night. So what are they saying? By the light of the 14th. So it's, it's strange language, by the, by the light of the 14th, if it's happening at nighttime. So, so I want to try to explain, what is, that, what is that light of the 14th? Okay? So to explain that, I want to tell you something that I heard from Rabbi Matasiahu Solomon. One of my favorite Torahs, actually. He says that, uh, you know, everybody knows by the burning bush, so, so Moshe comes to try to, like he, he by the way, I, I heard in the name of the Kutzka Rebbe, a lot of people walked by the burning bush and didn't pay any attention to it. There was this bush that was on fire and not burning. And I heard a detail, if you, if you need to picture this better, that the green leaves stayed green. <laughs> it's not just that the wood wasn't catching on fire, the leaves stayed green. So how do you have a bush which is very flammable, engulfed in fire, and none of it is burning. So, interestingly, many people walked by it and didn't give it a second look. <laughs> right? We talk about what is redemption. Right? Redemption, like, let's get back to that idea of the different points which are, which are not connected to each other. Freedom, redemption, means being able to pivot at any moment. Right? So, so Moshe investigated. Moshe wanted to know what's, what's going on. So he gets closer, and all of a sudden Hashem tells him, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So now, so Rabbi Solomon asks a great question. Why didn't Hashem tell him before to take off his shoes so he wouldn't be standing on holy ground? <laughs> right? Very good practical question. So he gives a, fanta a fantastic answer. He says, no, no, no. What made the ground holy was the fact that Moshe was coming closer to investigate. It wasn't holy before. The fact that Moshe said, hey, what is going on? I need to know more. I need to know more. That desire to come closer, that's what transformed the ground into holy ground. And then Moshe had to take off his shoes once he made it holy. So, with that introduction, I'd like to suggest what the light of the 14th is. The light of the 14th is not just the candle, but it's the desire to search your heart. The desire to actually cleanse your heart of chametz, right, of anger, of jealousy, of pettiness. That desire to cleanse our hearts, that inner cleaning which is taking place on the night of the 14th, that's what's creating the light. That's the light of the 14th. And you know something, with that in mind, maybe we can answer another question. You know, there's a, if you want to get into sort of like Jewish kind of like trivia, there's certain blessings that we only say once a year. Like, and they're hard to know. What are those? Because you only say them once a year. And maybe you don't even say them. Maybe your father says them or something like that. Do you know one of the blessings that we make only once a year 
is when we search for chametz on the night of the 14th. So, I don't know. I think just the idea that, that, that we're making a blessing over that process, right? Or maybe that process is the blessing. That, that process of looking within ourselves on that level, right, requires a blessing, perhaps. And then comes, you know, one of the great, great moments. The next day, we take all the chametz that we... And if you're a whole house, for a lot of people... For most people, I would say, and by the way, so why are, just to answer that, tie up that last loose end, why, why do the rabbis say you have to use a candle and not a torch? So I, I, I heard, actually heard in the name of the Ari, that if a person really saw what their spiritual level was, they actually saw where they were holding, they'd have a heart attack. <laughs> so... With that in mind, I'd like to suggest that's why we use a candle and not a torch. <laughs> See, if we use a torch, you know what? Don't tell me too much. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go a step at a time. If you tell me too much, that's wrong with me. And remember, you're the one who's telling yourself, right? I'm just gonna freak out and get depressed. I can't do it. I mamish. I don't have the vessels. I don't have the vessels. But a candle, so that I can just begin, so I can take one small step in the right direction, that I can do. That I can do. So, so then, then, then we get to this place where the next day we actually burn the chametz. And by the way, for, for a lot of people, the whole house is clear the night of the 14th. The house is already cleaned. And, and if you don't have a candle, you don't have to use a candle, you can use a, uh, you can use a flashlight. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something, which I just, I thought of it just a few days ago, it made me really happy. Which is, I don't know if you guys get this in the mail, if you're on certain mailing lists, but in the mail you get, you open up an envelope and there's like a wooden spoon, a candle, and a feather. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's like, I guess, a very old minig, like a very old custom of how to go about sweeping out. But, but here's what hit me, and I thought it was so beautiful. If chametz represents all of those aspects of ourselves which are broken and need fixing or need elevating, look what the rabbis say. Use a feather to remove it, to sweep it out. What could be more gentle and loving than the idea of, you know, like who would say, like, there's a scorpion. Oh, you know what? Sweep it onto the spoon with a feather. <laughs> like, that's coming from this tremendous place of love. Clearly, it's coming from a tremendous place of love. So... So, when it comes to identifying our shortcomings to try to cleanse our hearts of anger, remember, what's, what's the whole problem with anger? Why is it compared to a vodazor, to idol worship, right? Because it's thinking, you did this! But everything comes from God. 
Okay, it's a separate question. Why did it have to come through that person? Right? It's, it's not so simple that everyone gets off scot-free. I'm not saying that. But ultimately, if we're pointing fingers at each other, we're not looking at the ultimate picture, which is that everything's coming from God. So that's, that's, that, that's one way to get rid of anger. What about jealousy? Just getting super practical here. How do, how do we get rid of jealousy? By, you know, Reb, Reb Shlomo said, if you, if you can't take joy in someone else's joy, then you don't know what joy is. Right? You know, someone gets, you hear about someone, he got a, he's, an, he's an engineer, he got a job. Hey, did you hear so-and-so got this great new job? I'm not paying him. It's not coming out of my pocket. <laughs> what do I have to be? Oh, he got a job. I didn't. It's not coming out of my pocket, his salary. Well, why, why, why can't I be happy? Right? And ultimately, we're all one soul anyway. So any victory for any one of us is a victory for all of us. Amen. So, and when a person's in a place of joy, they only open up their heart more and make a, a bigger vessel to receive more blessing. So only, only good things come from, from that, you know? And, and, and to also, you know, if, 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 if someone gets something that, that, you, that you're wanting, it's not your thing. God has no shortage of things to give out. Right? I often think if, if I don't have a Ferrari, not that I want one, by the way, but if I don't have a Ferrari, it's not because God said, oh, I just gave away the last one. <laughs> Had I known that you wanted a Ferrari, I would have held that one for you. But what can I do? That's not what's going on. <laughs> there is no shortage of things. So no, no one got the last one. And if you thought that was the last one, there's a whole category that you didn't even consider that's even better and more right for you. You don't have to be aware of that thing in order for it to come to you. Right? So, so now comes the idea of burning the chametz. And burning the chametz is really intense. This is, this is really something great. Let's think about it for a moment. Like, have you ever really thought about the comparisons of burning chametz and making tashlich? You know, on, on tashlich, what is tashlich? That's, that's Rosh Hashanah. There's the custom you take bread and you throw it into the water. And you say, okay, these are my wrongdoings. And they get covered over by the water. Right? I mean, I've been going to this fish pond lately. And there's something very satisfying about that. I really recommend it because you put in a little piece of bread and a fish eats it right away. <laughs> I mean, you really see these things gotten rid of, you know? It's like, great. So, so you know, you, you, you do that. And the, and, and, but isn't it interesting that why, you know, because, you know, bread, it's, it's for another time and a different talk, but bread, which, which symbolizes all the evil in the world, essentially, during this period, all of a sudden, it's like 100% great. Like, you, you have to have an anchavis. You have to have two chalas and 
Bread's fantastic. There's nothing inherently bad about bread. It just has to be contextualized. Right? See, the, the, the bad part about bread, spiritually speaking, is that it's all puffed up with its own ego. You see, if a person says, I made me, that's the problem. If, 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 you, if, if you say, God, you made me, and you made something great, there's no problem there. In other words, the idea is not to rid yourself of self-esteem. It's to rid yourself of false power. You're supposed to feel great about yourself. Why not? God made you. God's great. God makes beautiful things. You're part of God's beautiful things. Right? But when it's in the I made me category, that, that's when the problem starts. So we're trying to get rid of the ego, not the self-esteem. Okay? So, so when it comes to the day of the 14th, we talked about the night of the 14th. When we get to the day of the 14th, we're taking... All of those things, now, just again to tie up another loose end, a lot of people by this point that they light the candle and they, they look around and, you know, Rav Shlomo says, you know, we're looking for crumbs because a lot of times it's the crumbs in the corners of your heart that cause the problems. Mm. These little lingering resentments, you know, that we allow to fester in our hearts that really create the breakdowns in relationships. Because we're not really managing in a real way our own emotions. We're not really being on top of them. You know, I know I got upset about something yesterday. It really shocked me that I got so upset. But you know, it was something that had been bothering me for weeks and I wasn't saying anything about it. And then all of a sudden, this, these words flew out of my mouth. And why? because I didn't address it sooner. They were these crumbs that were in my heart. So there's a special idea when you're walking around by the light of the candle, the flashlight, whatever it is, to look in the corners, right? And, and this whole thing is like a whole guided meditation, basically, the way we're talking about it right now. What is it that's inside of you that's holding you back? How can I get it out of me? And the next day, you're taking those things, and by the way, if the house is already clean, because we're making a blessing, we don't want to say what's called a bruchalavatala. We don't want to say a, a, an erroneous blessing, because we're saying we're getting rid of the chametz, but we've already gotten rid of the chametz. So what we want to do is, you take ten pieces of bread, and you wrap them up in a, you know, you put a little piece in a ziplock, or you can put some aluminum foil around it, whatever it is. And then you circulate them around the house. But you have to also be careful not to not know where they were hidden. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's more of a guided meditation, not a treasure hunt. You're not trying to, like, let's see if I can stump my parents. They'll never find this chametz. No, you don't want to do it like that. You just want to have something in the house so that when you make the blessing, you're actually doing some cleaning stuff. So you take whatever bread is left over, and I know in Los Angeles they have big trash cans full, filled with fire. They're like roaring with fire. It's a very dramatic scene and the fire department is there, but you can do it on your own. Just be very, very safe. You know, you don't want to light any fires. So, or let them get out of control, God forbid. So, um, and, 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 and you're taking that and it's, this is like, you're not throwing it in water at this point. You're actually throwing it into fire. 
And the idea at that point is that you have in mind that you're getting rid of all the evil in the entire world. I mean, it's, it's really, for me, in, in many ways, the highlight of all of Pesach. Taking that chametz and throwing it into the fire, you can, you, you, there's such an open-heart moment at that moment where you can just daven for absolutely anything. So, let me just end with one, one last thought, which is, you know, they say, I heard in the name of Rav Soloveitchik, that the first part of the Seder is going on our liberation from Egypt, and the second part of the Seder is going on the future redemption. And what's so intense, we talked about, just to bring it back to the now. We talked about the now. Just look how time and space is folding onto the moment in the second part of the Seder. I'll explain what I mean. You see, the second part of the Seder, as you get to the end of the Haggadah, there are two things in it which are really just amazing. One is we say Nishmas Kochai, and the other thing is we say Yishtabach. Now, those of you who are more familiar with the kind of the, the details of, of, of uh, the Jewish prayer service know that those two prayers are exclusively said Shabbos morning, right? Okay, or they're morning prayers. So isn't it interesting that right now it's the middle of the night and we're davening shachars? So what is daytime? Daytime is redemption. What is nighttime? Exile. So here we are sitting in the exile, but all of a sudden it's morning, and we're saying nishmas kol and yishtabach. Right? Like it's daytime. We're saying the daytime prayers in the middle of the night. Why? Because this part of the Seder is going on the future redemption. But here's the crazy part. We're actually saying it right now. We're not waiting till that moment. We're saying it right now. Which means the future is now. <laughs> or we're treating the future, which hasn't occurred yet, and we're already celebrating as if it's already happened, an event that hasn't occurred yet, but with such certainty that it's all right now. So we're already celebrating something that hasn't happened yet. Or perhaps we're celebrating something that is in the process of happening right now. Like I heard uh, Rav David Hertzberg, Allah Shalom, say one time, why, is the, why, does the Jewish stay at, why does the Jewish day start at night? Because why, it starts when there are three stars in the sky. He said, because the promise of light is enough for us. The promise of light is enough for us to already be calling it daytime. So there we are in the second part of the Seder already celebrating the fact that nighttime has turned into day. So just wrap it up. Just wish everyone just the best, best Pesach. Amen. Remember, wherever you're going, whatever your basic plans are, that's, that's plan B. Plan A is Yerushalayim Erekodesh, Beis HaMikdash, that, that's plan A. But really, not, not as a, not hi, we're smiling, yay, not that, but for real.
but for real. Because when we're in the moment, we realize nothing is hard for God. God is going to... The world has been evolving since creation. It will reach its next stage of evolution. It will. That is the destiny of the world. It's been built into the world. It's going to happen. So if it's going to happen, why not now? And just to, just to share one, one last thought. Just there's, we, we just read Parshas HaChodesh, which, which is um, all about the now. It's all about making a calendar. The first mitzvah, interestingly, that we got when we left Egypt was to make a calendar. And I would suggest, what do we need a calendar for? To tell me what day today is. Like, when, what, when is it now? <laughs> Like, so, 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 and again, I, I heard someone told me that it's from the Sfarno. I, I, I didn't, I didn't check it yet, but, but this idea that when you become free, why did, why was the first mitzvah getting a calendar? Because the, a slave is not in charge of his own time, but a free person is. So the very first mitzvah that we got as a people, once we became free, was to become masters over our own time. Um, so... So part of that special reading for Parshas HaChodesh of, is, is this line. Now listen to this line carefully. This is one verse that I'm going to read you. This one verse contains two separate commandments. And you'll see in the middle of the verse, it wildly swerves off the road. <laughs> okay? So just listen carefully. And this is uh, Shmos. It's uh, chapter 12, verse 10. You shall not leave any of it. They're talking about eating the Korban Pesach, the, the Passover offering. You shall not leave any of it until morning. Any of it that is left until morning, you shall burn in the fire. You hear that? I'll read it one more time. <laughs> do, you, do you hear how it's like, wait a second, what, what's going on here? You shall not leave any of it until morning. Any of it that's left over until morning, you shall burn in the fire. Is everyone here? So, believe it or not, and this is a whole category of mitzvahs, which I find delightful, just in terms of just the concept of it. There are certain mitzvahs that you can only keep if you've broken other mitzvahs. (laughs) In other words, you have to break a mitzvah in order to keep that mitzvah. So, I'll give you an example. Tshuva. Tshuva means returning back to God. How do you return back to God and keep that mitzvah unless you've done something wrong and you've broken another mitzvah, right? So, it's, it's... so, like in AA, they say, they talk about falling off a wagon. But in Torah, if you fall off a wagon, you fall onto another wagon. It's like, because there's never not a mitzvah that you can be doing in the moment, okay? So, in the beginning, it says here, don't leave any of the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering, until morning. That's a separate mitzvah. Now they give you a new mitzvah. If you didn't do that mitzvah, here's a new mitzvah for you. If you broke that mitzvah, Here's a brand new mitzvah for you. Take that leftover piece and burn it. So from here you see that, let's say you go, oh, I'm so tied to the future. I'm so tied to the past. I can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. Okay, but the Torah is telling you you can always begin again. At any moment you can begin again. Because there's always a mitzvah for you to be able to do always, 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 always. Now for some questions and answers. I'm remembering the whole dot, dot, dot yeah. com- composition of a line. Yes. Allowing you to pivot because it's really yeah. not a continuous move. I remember in, I think we're in Magen David version of Happy Minion. Yeah. 
2.0, yeah. where you were giving that over. Yeah. And I found it profound in that you gave it over when you are running to do the wrong thing. Yes, exactly. Mm. There is no such thing as momentum necessarily, that every moment yes. Yes. you can turn it around. And uh, that was a great tool, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I often give it over in that way, and it, it, it's true. I think the example that I often give is, say, you're on a diet, and you start walking to the refrigerator, yeah. and you go, well, what can I do? I'm walking to the refrigerator. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm locked into this line. But if you realize that the step in front of you is not connected to the step that you're on right now or the step behind you, you realize, you know, at that moment, I can turn and go someplace else. And by the way... The, the refrigerator diet example is, is a rated G example of what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay? so, but really, one should know. One should know. In fact, I, I, just because you brought it up, Sam, I'll tell you an, a, another Torah that came to me one time that, that I think is very intense. When we're leaving Egypt, and remember, Egypt is all the things that I want to get away from, all the, all, all the negativity in my life and in the world. When we're leaving Egypt, all of a sudden, God says to us, now turn around and walk back toward Egypt. It's one of the most astounding little moments in the entire Torah. And then God tells us to turn around again. And I think what happened there was God gave us the power for all time that if we're going back to a place that we don't want to be, that will have the power to turn around and not go back to it. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. wow, wow. Mm. Uh, and a different way, if, even if we're present in one moment, we still need to intentionally be present in the next moment. Yeah. Because we don't connect the dots. I mean, we can disconnect ourselves from yeah. time and space, but really yeah. we're in time all the time. And exactly. And by the way, this idea of staying present, I think, is one of the most difficult things in the world to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like running, you know, for a while, like, there was this great barrier in the world, running a four-minute mile. You know, it, it was finally broken. But what I'm talking about in terms of breaking, you know, staying in the moment, is really breaking the, running the mile in one minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is, this is almost like a, a, a supernatural thing to ask of ourselves. So you just, you just try to be real. You just try to do it as much as you can. That's why Shabbos is so redemptive because like I said before it institutionalizes this way of living once a week and so you, there's so much blessing that comes from it it's ridiculous it's just it's huge it allows you to actually live like this which ordinarily speaking I, I don't think you'd be able to do and what is that um, when you say we should, um, the week starts with um Shon, Shani, Shlishi, and go through the whole, each day has a designated a time frame. I think I heard this in the show that you brought, you said, and Shabbos is its own entity. It's its own timing. So that um, all the opening that you spoke about is, is, is right there, and we don't, we don't, um, we don't uh, have to be tied to the timing of the specific time during the week. That's why 
making a plan on Shabbos just doesn't work because it's its own timing. Yeah, and really resented, that really resonated with me. You know, and what you're saying is so beautiful. As we go through the week, we say when we say the Psalm of the day, we say Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos. In other words, how do we get that consciousness of the now of Shabbos, where we can actually live an entire day in the now? Look at this blessing that we count the days of the week by summoning the now into the days of the week, right? So to the extent that we can bring Shabbos into the week, we can maybe try to maintain this this level of consciousness. Yeah. yeah. About, about, like, not pointing out Shabbos. What yeah. about things that are, um, that are um, not Shabbos-related, but also... But holy, but holy things like yeah. So it's a good question. I I haven't gone over the halachas. So so I yeah. Go. You have to go over the halachas. But like for instance, I can say I'm pledging ten times high for for this certain thing, knowing that I'm going to have to do that after Shabbos. That that type of planning yeah. to 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 give charity tzedakah yeah. is 100 percent okay. So there you know there's certain like with all halachas there's certain boundaries to it. And and you'd have to look into it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Out of our pockets, but yeah. Abdallah, we put the wine back in it, our pockets. Like your son said, you take Shabbos with us during the week. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so we're taking the now with us during the week. Right. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs>